residential lighting specialist to art residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. In this episode, I'm joined by John Siaka, co-owner of Custom Theater and Audio in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. John is a very good friend, one of the most entertaining writers in the AV integration trade press, and a fellow member of the No Shirts Club. John, thanks for joining us today. Jeremy, it's always a pleasure. It's been too long since we've chatted, so it's great to see you for uh, you know change. Since we're not going to get together for our No Shirts team in, in September at Cedia. Exactly, and you know before we dive into a lot of stuff, I, we've got to explain the No Shirts Club, which, to be honest, I'm only an honorary member of. <laughs> <laughs> can you so, uh, can you tell, tell tell the backstory of the No Shirts Club? Yeah, so you know. Um, Budgets being what they are for writers, um, we often end up um, sharing rooms together. So um, you and I have roomed together quite a few times and uh, at trade shows, <laughs> at trade shows. Um, and so one of the first times, uh, you know, we're getting ready for bed and I get into bed with no shirt on. And Jeremy's like, ah, so we're going no shirts. <laughs> and so uh, the no shirts club was born. And to be so, fair, to be fair, not in bed in the same bed, but in the uh, same bed, two beds separate, exactly. Separate and, beds. You know, we we talked about no shirts today, but thought we would dress it up, keep it, you know, more professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, what what happens in behind closed doors in a hotel is a little different than a podcast. That's right. Literally in Vegas, and on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we we uh, at this point we go pretty far back uh, in our friendship and our industry. Um, collaboration and I, I look back and I try to remember when it was we actually met that because that's very important for everybody to know when we met but I, I, I like to talk about our, our friendship so let's let's go for it. Uh, do you remember I, I seem to recall one of the earliest times that we hung out was at the home of a Microsoft executive in Seattle. Yeah, that's to me. That's I think the first time that I remember hanging out where um, we went out there for when they were doing Oh man, when Microsoft was trying to really get into controlling the smart home and um, they flew us out and uh, there weren't too many of us, maybe six or eight. And we were with uh, Caster. Um, it was with Ashley, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah, it was. And yeah, she, um, she drove yeah. us around. Yeah, we, we went into the execs house and his really nice home theater that was about a million degrees. And <laughs> Ashley and I were cutting up. I think you were, I don't even think I was like engaging with you, but I think you were right behind me. And uh, you know, I said, you know, something like, man, you know, his automation system, can he control the heat in this place? You know, as he forced us to watch, I was it Mariah Carey or something. I can't even know. I want to say it was Celine Dion. That's a Celine Dion, yeah. You know, this like <laughs> half million dollar theater, and he's picking all sitting and watching Celine Dion videos. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting toward the back of this theater, and it, and it was just it was like the worst case of um, a, a sealed box. Like it didn't <laughs> feel comfortable at all. It was beautifully crafted and and perfect sound and all that, but it just had no ventilation. And you're and you're back there like, hey, does that thing control the, <laughs> the air flow back here? <laughs> just making wisecracks. And I, yeah. I guess I I had never been in a press kind of moment where you're supposed to behave yourself with someone who was like that kid in school <laughs> cracking jokes. And I just it was such a welcome relief that uh, I don't know, it was like a bonding moment from there on out for yeah plus and- it's just a fun trip. Yeah, it was. And then I think we, again, like, like kind of the next level was at um, the Greenhouse Smart House event with Lancaster. Um, and that's, you know, we went through Kim's house yeah. um, when she was launching that. And I think that's where we, you know, kind of like the next level of, you know, um, yeah, friendship. That, that's actually uh, also where I met Dennis Berger, who is uh, your friend of me and my, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, you guys are always kind of punching back and forth at each other over things but you know another fellow um member of the trade writing media and um a a character in his own right and we were i i do remember very well sitting in the lobby of the hotel waiting for our car service or cab to pick us up to go to the airport back in those pre-uber days and uh you guys talking a little bit on video games and me feeling completely out of the loop since i never play video games and uh but just thinking these two guys i i kind of feel like i want to continue to hang out with them 
because this is a lot better than my typical experience on a, tri- <laughs> on a business trip, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that was interesting. That was back when uh, our friend Kim was living the high life with the big fancy control four house that uh, it's like, how do you do that? How do you pull that off? Yeah. But, um, anyway, that, that was a cool trip. So um, yeah, so, so we, we've, we've been, uh, we, we became uh, kind of cohorts in the, the writing world because I hired you at residential systems to to contribute a lot of articles for us you were already out there doing your own writing um, for for other publications but uh, I think that we learned a lot probably just because we were sharing rooms you saw my social anxiety uh, in in effect every show that I went to I, I kind of felt like even if the budget didn't require it that I liked having a roommate just because you could come back and and kind of share the day's you know drama together and laugh about stuff. Yeah. It became like a a good good r- routine. Uh, and, and plus, you taught me CES hacks how to get through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's nice, you know, especially because a lot of times we're going to the same place anyhow, and it's right. kind of nice just to have somebody to pal around with. I mean, it, the shows as huge as they are, you're alone a lot of it, exactly. um, and it's nice just to have somebody else, especially you know, we're looking at the same things, you're interested in the same things, you know, and again, a different perspective to look at something. And, uh, you know, I got to work with you on the daily quite a few times, which is, um, I mean, that's actual reporting, which is, you know, was different for me, you know, to go out look at something and come back and write on it. And uh, a lot of great experiences, you know, it was uh, a lot of fun doing it. And uh, you, you embraced my irreverent voice, which was, which was good. Um, so I, uh, you know, I had a great time. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you and Dennis both brought personality to a pretty, um, pretty staid kind of publication. I mean, re- residential systems. I always felt like we had to sort of be this industry voice. Um, we obviously weren't the only one, but we were trying to be very professional. And then that irreverence was um, just it. It kind of got it hit right when I needed something to just spruce it up. You know, give it some personality, give it some life again. And and uh, your your blogs were were mammoth, you know, long pieces of <laughs> rambling discourse that were, were always so entertaining. And I think you, you have a huge fan base because of that, you know, just telling these long stories. I have a sports uh, writer um, that I really like too, um, Bill Simmons, who used to work for ESPN. And it reminded me of his style of writing where there's just no, no limit on the word count. You just kind of kept going until you're done done with what you're saying but uh, well that's the the benefit of having no formal schooling whatsoever <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> you, all you know is you know what you know so um, I'm sure if I went through schooling and, and saw all the things I was doing wrong I probably would not feel the right the way that I do but um, you know I feel like when I'm writing it if it's not entertaining for me it's not going to be entertaining for someone to read okay. and you know if you're just reading about a bunch of black boxes or something it's it's boring. And, um, you know, this is such a cool industry. And if you don't have any passion for it, if it doesn't come across in the writing, um, you know, I always, you know, like I'm, I'm writing a TV review right now, like literally was working on it yesterday. Um, and like trying to find a way to make a story out of it instead of just, here's a new TV. And it really, it made me think back to, you know, the first time I saw, um, high def, um, at Cedia with, you know, the Texas wild videos. And, you know, at the time it was just so, game changing, like unlike anything you'd ever seen before. And, you know, how far we've really come since then. And like now, you know, we just take it for granted. Um, but you know, I do try to find a way to tell a story because a, it's more interesting for me as a writer. And also I think for the reader, it, it's a way to connect to the piece. And it's like, oh yeah, I had that experience. I saw that, or, you know, it, it's not just reading about a black box and millions of pixels and whatnot. Yeah. And, and, and your passion for, for certain things always comes through too. And, uh, even sharing uh, a mutual uh, fandom for Taylor Swift that, that we do. <laughs> uh, at, at, and we can blame it on the fact that we have teenage daughters, but it's not really that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a personal uh, No, it is. I mean, again, I, I, I don't know if I brought you into her. or I think, you, I think <laughs> you were there first. I, I cannot um, claim to, to I, I'm not going to say that, that uh, I figured it out on my own, but I happen, I think you, you made it okay <laughs> by, <laughs> by talking about it. And, and when, when she was on tour and you had already planned, you'd bought 
really expensive tickets for your daughter as a, a reward for straight A's, right? Yeah, she graduated from uh, elementary school, and I told her I'll buy her diamond rings or tickets to see Taylor Swift, <laughs> oh, and uh, she doesn't regret it. I mean, you know, she's yeah. I'm, I'm so glad. And so, you know, it's funny. You know, it's kind of a big circle thing. We we just watched Hamilton the other day, and then. Um, we we watched um, a live performance of um, Phantom of the Opera. Um, uh. It's the anniversary. We Dane and I got engaged 26 years ago on August 4th. So on August 4th, we watched Phantom, and Lauren had never seen it. So I was asking, like, well, what did you think between the two of them? She's like, well, you know, I think if I would actually have seen it live, it I, it would have meant more to me. He said that's she said that's why I really love that Taylor Swift show mm -hmm. because we saw it, and it's like now when I hear those songs, I can remember being there. And so it was, it was well worth every penny. Um, yeah. You know, we had a great time and it's one of those things that, you know, we'll look back on, but uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I have to, um, you know, justify the Taylor Smith like, and I really, I think she's a great talent and uh, her show was spectacular. Unbelievable. Um, I, I, I've been to a lot of concerts. I'm not a huge concert goer, but because I lived in New York and I had a friend who just bought tickets to everything. I've, I went to a lot of sh Broadway shows. I went to a lot of concerts that I wouldn't have gone to on my own. Cause I just don't have the, the really like, I don't know. I'm, I've never learned how to get tickets the right way. I, I don't have the patience for it or something. And I'm always a little tick like afraid of the ticket, the sticker shock, I guess. Yeah. And my friend would just buy these tickets. He'd always have an extra one. It seemed like, and I got to go to a lot of stuff. That being said, I took my daughters to Taylor Swift and I will not, I'm not shy to say that that was my favorite concert of all of those <laughs> concerts. It was so yeah. well done. And, uh, and then to have it on Netflix to, to be able to watch obviously a different location, but the same show whenever yeah. you want to. Um, that, I've, that I've not really... seen a ton of concerts. I mean, a, a, a few, um, but that was the first stadium show I'd ever been to. Mm. Um, so, I mean, a lot of times, like one of my favorite bands is they might be giants. And when I see they might be giants, I mean, we're literally like up against the stage feet away from them. Yeah. And that, that's, um, you know, obviously you're, you, you could get that at Taylor Swift, but you better have a, a black card. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, this, um, we were in like, I don't know, row 16 or something, which was pretty great seats, oh but yeah. to be around 60,000 people, um, but still it felt like she was connecting with people. And I thought that was a great, like, she really seems to appreciate her fan base and know what they like. Um, so that's yeah. going to turn to the Taylor Swift show if we're not careful. Oh, I know, but Hey, <laughs> talking Taylor with Jeremy and John. <laughs> guess whose podcast it is. So whatever yeah, I want right. to do. Um, I did have one more Taylor Swift. Okay. Have you listened to the... <laughs> <laughs> have you listened to uh, the new album? Folklore? Yeah. Uh, I have. And um, actually, my daughter and I will go through and like, you know, these are my four favorite songs from it. Um, it it's, um, I would say it's maybe my fourth favorite ever albums. Um, mm -hmm. I really like the one. Uh, I think that song's really good. And um, there's a, God, I'm trying, I don't have the album, the song names in front of me. Um, illicit ones, maybe. Um, and then, I don't know. But yeah, I like it. I don't love it. Um, I yeah. like it. But sometimes... It I have to listen to something. If you like the first time I heard the new Fiona Apple, I'm a huge Fiona Apple fan. I, it, it took me a while to kind of, you can tell that as an artist, Taylor's not staying where she was. And mm -hmm. certainly this is the most adult of her albums, you know, a lot of swearing on it, which is really unusual for, for her previous albums. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it takes, I think sometimes you have to listen to something to find out like, you know, where the artist has moved to. It's like, this is not the same album that, you know, reputation was, it's not the yeah. same album that lover was, you know, but, um, and that's good. I mean, you know, you don't want to have the same thing over and over again, but, um, you can yeah, there, there, there's a, um, I, w I was listening to somebody talking about it and they said that, you know, she's in her thirties. Um, and it's at that point when a lot of really great, you know, artists over the years have had some kind of a artistic moment, you know, in their career. And I really think, you know, you stop thinking about, or stop talking about her as, wow, what she's accomplished as this young person. It's like, she's in the, the heart of her creativity right now. And this was a pandemic album. She didn't do this as a planned thing. And everything so, is so much of a plan for her that she just basically expressed herself in a very, folk music style, I guess. Um, I find that it's a very relaxing walking album, like just to have on and chill out um, when you just have, don't want to listen to another podcast or something, you know, as you're out. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I, I've liked it for that, that point. Um, I definitely prefer her pop sort of style more uh, and, and the more attitude kind of style songs, but uh, 
but it's been it's been a really good lesson i think did you watch the documentary on netflix i did yeah that yeah. was also really interesting or very yeah revealing. it was i mean you know it's like out from the outside looking in you think you know here's somebody who has everything but it's like mm -hmm. you know she seems like she's tortured in ways i think that she's you know like with this i'm trying to get past that you know trying to get past what everybody else thinks about her and um yeah but yeah <laughs> We're also very big, big Disney fans. And I think that uh, you you wore it on your sleeve a little more than I did from the beginning as well. And I, my kids have kind of dragged me along. So, uh, yeah, uh, we are huge Disney fans. You know, my my parents met working at Disneyland, California. So um, my dad was a ride operator. My mom worked at Sunkist Orange Juice. And oh, um, cool. I uh, I love Disney, and uh, again, I'm not, I'm definitely not ashamed a to, to admit it. And mm -hmm. I have as much fun taking the you know the girls, and like you know, I think our our Disney trips, as we've talked about this, are completely different. Mine yeah. are like the frenetic run to the next line, you know, go hard all day long, you know, get something to eat that you can go. And like, I think you more like, ah, here's a nice place to stop and take an invite, and let's rest and go back to the hotel. I mean, so we are at the park when the gates open at the park when the gates close you know just go hard all day it's like you know you're going to be exhausted in these four days but we're going to look back on it then yeah. if you survive it you're going to look back on it but uh, we were just there gosh um kind of right before the park closed or um and um got to go on rise of the resistance and I, mm -hmm. i'm not sure have you been on that uh no that was no. the i i was able to go on the the first one that opened there falcon uh, yeah, run. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that, that Rise of Resistance, I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's it's unlike any other ride. I mean, the scale and scope of it is just so immense. <laughs> and, you know, there's a part of it where you kind of board the, the Star Destroyer and you come into this room and this room is so huge. And it's like literally like everybody like gasped. Mm. And it, um, really i mean although it's such a complex right it seems to break down all the time oh, um yeah. it broke down on us when we were there um and we had to wait in line for like 45 minutes just you know in the ride waiting um but i think you know disney realizes you know from I, i've heard I, I know somebody that worked with us it, it they waited all day to get on they finally got on and it's like before the, the park closed and it broke down and disney gave them a ticket to come back to the park the next day with a fast pass to it. Mm. Um, and so I've known other people where the same thing has happened and they've given a ticket that was good up to two years to come back. So I, I feel like, you know, they realize it's a marquee attraction and, you know, if you don't get to go on it, they seem to, to try to take care of you. But uh, it, it is, it's, you know, we talked about, it's like, as soon as we leave Disney, it's like, always the first thing we talk about is when would it be the right time to go back again? <laughs> and, uh, you know, my youngest is four and we think, and maybe when she's six or seven, she would just wasn't quite ready, yeah. um, for some of the rides. And we took her on slinky dog, which we had never mm -hmm. been on before. And I surprised like what a zippy little coaster that is. And she's crying the whole time. Oh, Daddy, no. I hate this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so every, so after that, like everything we would go on, she's like, does this have a dropper? I don't want this as a dropper. <laughs> yeah. So I think so the, the next time where maybe she's a little bit more adventurous um, would be nice. But my, my oldest Lauren, she's ready for like six flags or something. She wants to try all, you know, the hardcore stuff. So yeah, see, now you're getting to understand the, the way that it's worked for me. You know, I, I, I was pretty much left with the younger one for a lot of those early trips. Um, and, and she, she's more cautious. And I probably probably more like my personality so we we tie tie together a lot and then uh as, as she's gotten older she's gotten a little braver about those those different rides and um we're 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 planning a trip around christmas time we're gonna see uh -huh. if that actually happens it, yeah it, it'll be with masks on and all that we've watched videos of uh this this podcaster that that lives down there and he he was there when they first opened back up walking around and it was fairly empty and um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that experience can be enjoyable in yeah. this pandemic. I know. World. I I told my wife it's like to to go back if you could go to Disney with twenty five percent park capacity, man, I, I will take my chances. That is like a dream. I know. Um, I think that actually will make it worthwhile because it's not going to be crowded. And uh, yeah, the mask in the, when we were going in the winter, the mask actually will be probably com more comfortable because it's not going to be hot. So yeah. We'll have that going for us. I know. Yeah, I mean, we'll to be see. to wear a mask now. I mean, it's got to be like 105 degrees down there. I can't even imagine. No, it. You know, no. like one of one of my the first dates that Dana and I had, um, we went to Disney World, 
and it was in it was in the summertime and people were literally fainting in line with heat stroke and it's like you know throwing up getting sick you know they would come over and like you know it's like man this is you know that's to put a mask on top of that and yeah like, and pay 125 bucks for the pleasure i mean i don't know it's like uh, uh i love disney but disney in the summertime is a is, is a tough go absolutely yeah well, uh, I, I definitely want to start diving into more of a of a industry conversation here, but uh, also need to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode of Residential Tech Talks is brought to you by Ring, home security systems and smart home automation. Get protection at every corner with their intelligent security cameras, alarm systems, and video doorbells. Receive notifications when motion is detected or check on your home anytime with Live View in the Ring app. Help keep your neighborhood safer with the Neighbors app to share information and discuss safety concerns in this hyper-local social networking platform. Ring's mission is simple. Make neighborhoods safer. Discover all the smart home security products by Ring. Go to ring.com. Welcome back. I'm talking to AV industry writer and co-owner of Custom Theater and Audio, John Siaka. I'm Residential Tech Today Executive Editor, Jeremy Kulwaki. Uh, John, we've been talking about fun stuff, uh, personal stuff. Uh, I definitely want to talk about industry things, which are also, it's also fun, but, uh, you know, want to sort of tell your story about how you ended up in Myrtle Beach, because I know you're, you're from California originally. Yep. So how did that happen? Um, okay. Well, I um, was a golf professional at a really private country club and I, one of my high school friends, um, he, uh, his dad had a Laserdisc player. And one of my other friends, his dad bought like this really basic surround sound system. Um, I can remember it was a JBL movies and music system that came in two different kits. And Pierre was the one who had the Laserdisc. Pierre brought over Laserdisc player and, and we watched the movie Speed on Laserdisc. And I had never experienced surround sound. I had no idea that you could have something like that in your house. And I mean, I, I guess you could say that it was like literally life changing. Um, so I decided, man, I have got to have this. And so I started just doing an insane amount of research on home theater gear. And this was right when Dolby Digital was just about to come out. It was AC3. And, you know, I knew, I just knew I said, this is going to be the next big thing. I know it. So I started researching all that. And I bought one of the very first Dolby Digital pieces, a Yamaha piece. And a, a member of the country club, um, he had a laser player that broke. and uh, this his name was Rich. He was so great. Um, he was in the middle of a movie and the tray came out to flip the disc and his little kid came over and like yoinked down on it and broke it. <laughs> and so Rich immediately went out, bought a new laser player so he could finish the movie. Hmm. Um, but then he, he got that player fixed and he gave it to me. And there was a company, I think it was called like MSB or something, MSE. Uh, they sold a mod kit where you could modify the player to get um, the RF Dolby Digital track off of it. So um, I got the, the player, I modified it. I got the Dolby Digital stuff. I started, you know, getting speakers and things and um, just watched every Dolby Digital Laserdisc that came out. I mean, there were like trickles, you know, 10, 15. And um, I reached out to the editor-in-chief in time of Home Theater Magazine, which was Rob Sabin. Um, you know, and I called Rob the Rob Father because he really gave me my start in this. And I just called him up and left a message like basically, hey, look, I think this is going to be huge. I want to talk about it. You guys, no one's talking about it. And so Rob called me back and, you know, write me a sample of what you're thinking. And so I wrote him a review of the best Dolby Digital moments from the movie Heat. Like, if you want to show off your system, go to 26 minutes and 23 seconds, you know, and and I sent that into him and he's like, you know, this is just too close to stuff we're already doing. I appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, like I said, full time in the golf business. And uh, out of the blue one day, he called me back and said, I've got a, you know, a, a writing thing that might be perfect for you. And would you be interested in doing it? I'm looking for a new voice. And I'm like, yeah, man. And this was back in the days where like uh, feature stories, like 3,500 words, you know, you, you turn in like yeah. this huge thing. And so um, I wrote a couple of things for, for Rob and um, my wife, Dana, was from Alabama and this was, we'd been married for about three years at this point. And she, I, I told him, I said, you know, try California for a little while. If you don't like it, you know, we can change. And so at this point I was just so burnt out on the golf business. Hmm. It's just really a grind. I mean, I worked six days a week for years. Um, and I, you know, we decided that, you know, we would move closer to, to her family and my family. I lived in Florida at the time. 
And uh, I said, look, I, I love this home theater stuff. I think this is what I want to do. And so I went on CDA's website and I looked up member groups that were in cities that we thought we might want to live in. Um, Charleston, here, Atlanta, Asheville. And um, I, I reached out to these people. I sent resumes and basically said, um, I don't know anything about this industry, but I love it. I've got a lot of passion for it. And I, you know, I, this is what I want to do. And um, I got three people that um, wanted to interview me. So I flew back for a long weekend and I, I met with these companies and I ultimately got two job offers, um, one in Atlanta and one in uh, this one. Mm -hmm. And um, we came back home and talked about it. And, you know, ultimately, you know, we loved it. Atlanta, we, I mean, we were outside, just outside of San Francisco. So we liked the idea of being in a big city. And Atlanta was quite a bit closer to, to Dana's family. But, you know, I, the idea of being near the beach and much, mm -hmm. a much smaller city and um, that if this job fell apart, that I could easily get back into the golf business. I mean, Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Yeah. And so um, that was in 1998. And, uh, I, you know, um, it, things have just progressed since then, you know, um, shortly thereafter that I, I started doing, uh, the custom installer column for sound and vision. Um, uh, they, they realized that custom was going to be a big part of, you know, this industry going forward and they didn't have anybody talking about it. And I think that was really one of the things that kind of helped me in the writing side was that there's a lot of people that can write really well and there's a lot of people that can install things really well but there's not a lot of people that kind of do both and yeah you know i can kind of have my hand in from the customer side of it from the and the installer side of it because i kind of work both ends of the street and um you know that kind of that, you know led into my relationship with you um at residential systems and things you know where it was like hey look you know i'd like to do kind of take this stuff that instead of writing it for the customer, write it for the installer, you know, why, why would the install? And that's, you know, really, I, I got to say between the sound of vision writing and the resi writing, I, I really prefer the resi writing more because I feel like I'm, I'm talking to you like as a peer, like, Hey, look, man, this is why you'd want to sell this thing. This is why you might want to consider bringing it in. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's how I got into the business. Um, well, how, how would you um, describe the Myrtle beach market? Obviously the golf, thing it sounds like it's a lot of probably second homes or third homes that type of thing is that uh what you're dealing with or is it, are there full-time uh, it really depends residents? we have we have both i mean i can't tell you how many times over the years that we'll have pitched somebody like a a big install and they're like you know at my main house in new york or atlanta i would totally do this but when i come to the beach i just want to get away i just want a tv on the wall i don't want any of this other stuff and it's like ah. Oh. Um, you know, but we do, we're having more and more people, you know, that are, that are moving here. Or again, if you've got second and third homes, um, you probably have the budget to do some stuff. So we do, I mean, um, we do a few six figure jobs a year. Um, we've done one job over, over a half a million. Um, but those are certainly the outliers. I mean, I'd say our, our far more typical project is probably in the, the 10 to $20,000 range. Okay. Um, you know, on a, on a housewide scale. I mean, we do, I mean, again, you know, no job too small, no job too big. I mean, we, we do a lot. Uh, and again, it's depending on how busy our schedule is, but a lot of, Hey, I bought a TV at Best Buy or Costco. Can you, will you guys come and install it for us? And you know, my, my motto is, you know, a, a truck in our parking lot is a truck that's not making money. Um, mm -hmm. and if we've got a slot in a schedule, why not go and send the guys out and mount that TV? It's another foot in the door. Um, my partner, Alan calls it, you know, other BB in the jar, you know, we're going to make a great brand impression. Why not now have this customer who maybe didn't know that we sold anything, um, maybe didn't know they could buy stuff from us. Why not, you know, convert them to the next time they call custom theater and audio. And I mean, during the downturns, um, you know, back in, was it 2008, whatever it was, when, when so many companies were having such a hard time, um, you know, I have um, next to my, to my desk, my standing desk, <laughs> I have next to my desk, I've got um, five five foot tall filing cabinets filled front to back with files of okay. customers over the years. And it's like, that was an incredible resource of, you know, again, it might not be big jobs. It might just be, Hey, look, my, my, um, cable box is locked up my, you know, whatever it is, it's like the guys on the road is the potential to make something happen. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we embrace those small jobs uh, again, obviously when we're really busy, um, we, not as, not as much, or we'll, you know, kind of push people back. But, um, 
you know, I, I hear so many integrators like, oh, you know, if it's under twenty thousand dollars, you know, we're not interested. Right. So, and again, if if that were my market, um, I, you know, that would be great. You know, if you could only embrace those, but. Um, you know, everybody wants to have the huge job and they think that that's the pie in the sky job. But sometimes those, I mean, those are the nightmares, um, mm. you know, the, the half million dollar job, you know, I am married to that job and I will be, you know, forever, probably, you know, the guy that I, you know, you put a sound bar on a TV and a remote control, you know, he's thrilled to death and he'll probably never call you with a problem. Um, you know, so it's like, sometimes you're careful what you wish for the the big jobs are the ones that put you out of business if you're not careful. Um, and, you know, again, especially for some of the newer companies who are chasing these giant things, you know, if you don't really know how to manage it, you know, manage the, the income and the outgo and the expectations and all that other stuff. Um, right. Sure. Oh, the Myrtle beach market. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we have a mix of both. Um, but I would say, you know, the, the bigger jobs, um, typically are our second and third homes, but we are seeing more people that are actually coming here to stay here permanently. Mm. Um, especially if you're retired. Um, I mean, it, it's a, it's a nice place to have such a slower pace of lifestyle. You know, you can live oceanfront for prices you couldn't do elsewhere. The weather is pretty great year round. Um, and you know, uh, like I said, we've lived here since 98 and still enjoy it. And you have a, a, a store that you can uh, have walk-ins to come in there, right? So it's uh, oh, a yeah, I mean, little we, retail. We have a full showroom, um, which is uh, we, where I am, you know, the, the majority of time. Um, you know, there's four of us currently in our company, myself, my partner, Alan, and then two full-time installers. And I do the vast majority of the store stuff, scheduling, ordering, invoicing, billing, payroll, uh, you know, it, it, all of that kind of, you know, businessy stuff. I, I handle all of that. Um, Alan does a lot of, you know, kind of big picture um, and, you know, big job type stuff. And the, and the installers are out installing all day long. But, you know, we have, you know, a small company wear a lot of hats. So um, if it's, you know, if it's a job that I'm selling and it's it's a big job that requires any kind of programming or just extra hands-on, like I'm, I'm going to be at a job all day on Friday on a decent sized control four system, helping the guys out, you know, just because it's, it's my job. I know the, the big picture of it. Um, uh, but we do have a showroom, um, and you know, we, we take walk-ins, um, and you know, again, you, you never know. I had the other day, uh, a mother and a son walked in, uh, looking for a TV and j they bought a $2,000 OLED cash, you know, they wanted a TV right now. And it was, you know, it's like sometimes, or, you know, people walk in and, and just buy Sonos stuff. Um, mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of retail stuff, but we certainly embrace it. If you want to walk in and grab something, we'll, we're happy to hand it to you. Right. Um, well, how did you uh, go from walking, speaking of walking in, getting hired by Alan uh, with no experience to eventually becoming a co-owner of the company? Uh, well, um, I feel like Alan and I are like really like the yin and yang. Um, we complement each other really well. And I could tell early on that um, the the day-to-day -day business stuff was not his strong suit. Mm. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we joke back and forth. You haven't sold a job until you collect the money. <laughs> until you collect the money, you've just lent a bunch of gear to somebody. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Alan would be great at like doing everything, but like the collecting part was like hard for him. He, you know, it's like he would, and so, um, you know, I just started, taking over things where I saw that there was a, a need. And um, it, it, we got to um, a point where, I don't know, after I'd been there for like maybe five years or something, um, I, I was getting to be known through the writing and um, another company had wanted to hire me. And, um, I, you know, Alan, I said, I said, look, I, I want to stay here. I'm happy here. But I mean, I, I need to know that there's there's room for growth for me here that, you know, and that's kind of we discussed this um, kind of, you know, co-ownership thing. Um, and um, I think it's worked out really well for both of us. Um, you know, we like I said, we complement each other really well. Um, he's he, I, I can be the blunt edge, you know, and, and Alan, it, his, his dad was in the diplomatic corps. Alan's, mm -hmm. um, ability to deal with, um, difficult people, difficult customers to disarm and diffuse situations is he, he's, he's great at that. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you need the hammer and sometimes you need the, I don't know what are the feather, whatever the other opposite <laughs> of the hammer would be. Um, but you know, he, he, he does a great job at that. And, you know, where some, you know, where I might would be, 
get, let's get rid of this guy. You know, uh, you know, Alan's like, well, you know, and um, so you know, we 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 complimented each other. I I think he he saw that I was able to help him in areas where where he wasn't strong, right? And that's kind of how that you know that went. And I I look back and like you know beyond the the own ownership portion, so glad that I didn't take the other job. You know, it's mm. like it's so easy you know, in retrospect, you know, to, to know that you made the right decision. But at the time, you know, this was a much bigger company and uh, mm-hmm. a much bigger city. Um, it, it, it seemed to to have some things that, you know, on, on paper looked really good. But um, so, so I mean, definitely 100% made the right decision. And I'm right. uh, really glad, you know, and um, sometimes being with a small company, it's like, you know, you can have much more of an impact, um, you know, when you never feel like a cog in a machine. Yeah. Um, and, um, I like, you know, I, I like that, you know, we're, we're a family, we're a team, you know, we try to keep our employees, um, you know, uh, of one, I think our, our least tenured employee has been with us six years and our mm-hmm. other one has been with us 20, I think. So, um, you know, we, and we would keep them, you know, forever. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, you know, that's again, kind of going back to the downturn when we had no work, when the phones weren't ringing at all. And it was just like, you know, we, we had a really open discussion with them, uh, you know, uh, uh, being really transparent. This is how much money we have in the checking account. This is how much money it takes to keep us open on a monthly basis. This is how much more we have time to be in operation. So we're yeah. going to do everything we can to keep pushing that down the road by bringing in work. But we made an agreement with them. It's like, hey, we're going to pay you 20 hours a week, even if you just come in here and sit in a chair. Right. Um, you know, we didn't want to lose them, you know, because, you know, we understand they needed work. And so, and I'd say like, you know, Alan and I have very similar, you know, philosophies on that, you know, do the right thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it will pay off. Um, and, you know, thank goodness, like I said, you know, we, we got through that with little service calls and stuff. But I think the guys saw that, hey, look, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Um, it, it's definitely not an us and them mentality. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's a great, great approach, especially with a small company to be able to be transparent in those situations. Cause I, I would say that even from my perspective, working for a company, I would love to know, you know, what, what is the threat here in this, you know, right now we're in another situation and fortunately for the industry, we haven't really had a negative impact from the pandemic, uh, because everyone was able to keep busy depending on what market they're in but uh uh to know you know where are we uh what what um thread is there to us going out of business uh what my job you know that type of thing that's pretty pretty awesome well you you know uncertainty is what scares people yeah you know if you can be honest it's like hey look i i I can't tell you it's going to be all right but i what i can tell you is this is this is the reality of what we have you know and it's what's on a mystery and i i think they appreciate that i think the guys really appreciated that like we were going to do what we could to keep them working as long as that we could. Um, and you know, that kind of pays dividends and Hey, look, now that it's busy, um, you know, when I might need you to work a little bit more, a little bit harder, you know, it it kind of, hopefully (laughs) it goes both ways. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, 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 I gave a little, when you needed it, now I need you to give a little now that we need it because we're so busy and, uh, you know, relationships are a two way street. And I think that they, you know, it's been good. How do you know when you need to add a person when you get busy? Like uh, that? And that's the thing. It's like, you know, Alan and I talk about this all the time. Um, and it, it, it's hard for a small company because we're like us, we are swamped right now. Um, but it's not just, you know, if you could just click your fingers and have the right person. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. And in our market, we have always had such a difficult time of finding people. Um, and what we really need is, I mean, we need somebody who has some programming skills. Um, we need like our, our bottleneck is, is URC programming, control for programming, some, some higher level networking and, and security. Um, I don't need, I don't just need a body to, to help. Um, yeah. I need somebody who's got some skills. So, you know, what, what Alan and I go back and forth with is, you know, because I do all the scheduling, it's pretty easy to schedule with two people. Um, you know, I've got jobs that work, take both people. I can split them up to individual three people is actually can be difficult to schedule because now you have to have two people jobs and one person jobs are really big jobs. And I don't, you know, again, I don't think it's fair to bring somebody in that you're not going to be able to keep yeah. and be able to say, Hey, look, I'm asking you to quit your job or whatever. Um, 
there's a commitment, honestly, I, I'm going to be able to employ you regularly for some amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difficulty for us is like, you know, this business is we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. And, you know, on the downturns, it's easy to keep two people busy. It's much tougher to keep three people busy because now you're, you're talking two crews of vehicles. Um, so I don't know. And, I, but I think if, you know, if the right person came along, you know, had the, you know, the programming, uh, abilities or the uh, security abilities, I, it would definitely free us up right now and, and, and clear some of that bottleneck. But where you know, this is the height of our business. We're always busy in summer. I mean, because construction's closing, everybody wants to be here in their house to finish for the summertime. But you know, when we start getting into November, December, then where are we going to be? And yeah. you know, this isn't for, for, for our market. It's not a magical thing of if I had a hundred more employees, I could bring in a hundred more jobs. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the job incoming is, not that it's, that it's finite, but I mean, there's only so many, you know, new jobs you're getting in. So it's fairly predictable. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I think if we had another person right now, we would alleviate some of that. We're booked for three weeks out, but then once you get that bottleneck done now, what, you know, yeah. in three, so I, I don't know, that's definitely something we struggle with. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, we, we've gone through periods where, we brought in people and it's like, also the other thing too, it's like you, you were a tight niche group of four. Yeah. When you bring in a fifth person, you know, sometimes they, they don't mesh with the personalities of the other four, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like that, that can be a tough thing. And it's um, just finding, you know, like I said, the right person is, is the trick. Yeah, um, sure. So I don't know, you know, like if you asked me today, would you like to have another person? Yeah, yes, that would be, it would be great. But you know, could, could we, could we keep that other person through, you know, the winter time and all that? And yeah, that I don't know. I like I said, I've been doing, I've been doing our books since 98 and historically February is always the worst year for us a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I think it because, you know, people have spent all their money on Christmas. They bought the TV for the Super Bowl maybe, and there's just nothing left for February. Yeah. And so that's always the month where like, you know, our install labor's the lowest, our revenue's the lowest. It's like, you know, so it's like, you know, can I use this person, you know, through February? It, it's kind of the touchstone. Right. So uh, wearing both hats as a industry writer and a, you know, integration company owner, um, do, you, do you see different um, advantages from having those two different things, especially like when you go to a show and you can be a press person or the opportunity to review products that maybe you wouldn't because you're not a dealer necessarily of that product? I think so. And, you know, um, I'm able to look at it like, you know, a, is this product interesting on its own and B would this product be interesting me to, to bring in and sell? And there have been several things that I've reviewed that we will end up selling. It's like, Hey, look, this is, this was great. You know, and I, this, it's a hole that we didn't have. Um, and I, but I try to be, you know, I'm, I'm reviewing a product right now. Um, I'm a savant, their new voice remote in soundbar. Um, that we're not a dealer for, and we probably won't be a dealer for because it's such a commitment to change a control system. Um, and, you know, the the discussion, you know, from their PR person was, hey, you know, the owners just want to make sure, you know, you'll be able to be impartial on this. Um, you know, and I'm like, hey, it's like, you know, I think I'd be able to take that hat off. You know, does this offer something that people are interested in, you know, whatever you're selling? And you have to be fair to the to the product and look at the product first and and not always through the lens of, well, I don't sell this. So, you know, it can't be good. Um, so I think it, there is a little bit of balancing, but I mean, I've been doing this for, for quite a while now. And I think it also gives me a lot of historic um, knowledge of other things that have come before and other things that I've looked at and seen and how does this major compare to those. And, yeah. um, but I think, I, I think it is unique in the press world. A, a, a lot of um, press writers, you, you could not hand them something and they could set it up and configure it and install right. it. Um, and so I think I, I have a knowledge of that, that it's like, hey, look, this thing is great because it installs X, Y, Z, or hey, this thing has got a problem because it doesn't do this, this, and that, mm -hmm. that maybe you, you know, you would know. And like, I, um, you know, I'll read other people's reviews sometimes and it's almost like, gosh, I don't even feel like he took it out of the box. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I, I think that is, you know, I, I, I want to feel like when a manufacturer sends me something, they know that it's going to be thoroughly and fairly tested and yeah. I'm not going to um, 
pick a, a knit of something that's really irrelevant. Um, but I'm probably not going to miss something that's important either. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I, I'd like to, it, it, whether it makes me better or not, I think it makes me unique. Yeah. Um, and you, you don't obviously just do product reviews. You're, you've been doing um, content reviews as well, uh, like you did when you, that first pitch you had. Uh, for Rob Sabin, you, you're still doing that. So what what are you enjoying these days in terms of uh, movies? Well, these days it's been a little bit thin, um, but um, I've done, you know, there's a, another website um, called Cinelux, uh, mm -hmm. like luxury cinema. And um, the person that found that, Mike Gone, Mike was my um, features and column editor at Sound of Vision you know, way back in the day. So again, I, I go back further with Mike than I do even with you. Um, and so we started this site, you know, it's like, you did, do you want to write for me? And, um, I have been doing a lot of, uh, content reviews and I, I really enjoy it. I mean, because my wife and I, we love movies. It's not unusual for us to watch three movies a week. I've got a pretty nice home theater, uh, you know, 13 channel, 7.2.6 Atmos system. I've got a 4k JVC projector and Kaleidoscape and the flagship Marantz processor. Um, so we, we love watching movies. Um, and have been enjoying some of the, the early release things. Um, that's been interesting. Hmm. Um, we just watched uh, the high note or the higher note, the, the one with Diana Ross's daughter and Ice Cube. And oh, yeah, yeah. Dakota mm -hmm. Fanning. Not Dakota Fanning, Dakota Johnson. Um, we just watched that the other night. And um, I, I'm, I'm pretty easy. Like, like with Taylor Swift, I'm, I'm pretty easy. Like, I'll give anything a try. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to just be watching a movie. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, we watch, you know, all the, all genres. Um, but we've been, you know, like with, with, with the pandemic, there's been so few releases and it's like, you know, you wonder where we are here, where are we going to be, you know, three, four months from now when the stuff in the pipeline, you know, and I've been following that really closely. Yeah. Um, Tenet especially has been the touchstone and, you know, um, because that was going to be the movie that was going to relaunch theaters opening and it keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And now they're going to launch it overseas um, and so it's really interesting then, you know, following that Disney made the decision to bring Milan home, um, as a rental within their subscription package. So it, it, it's really, I mean, we're in, in unprecedented times yeah. for the movie industry just to see what's happening. But, um, we are excited as a family. We're, you know, we'll watch Mulan, uh, we'll pay the 29.99. Um, excited to see that we would have seen it theatrically. You know, yeah. my, my wife and, and oldest daughter are both, ex we're both excited to see that. So, um, but I, you know, I think any movie that's uh, 4K HDR with a Dolby Atmos soundtrack, we're we're mostly down to give it a try. Um, but there's not been a lot of new stuff. Um, we've been watching the heck out of Hamilton. Uh, yeah. My 13-year-old is obsessed with it. Um, and uh, you know, I told my wife, it's like you know, she's in a room listening to it all the time. It's like you know what? There's worse things that she could be, you know, really into. Oh, um, yeah, that that's. That's history is, you know, pretty close to accurate history. You know, we know it's yeah. not perfect, but um, I agree that that's not a bad thing to be obsessed yeah. with. It was, like I said, we, you know, we just rewatched the Phantom of the Opera. We, there was a 25th anniversary from the, the Royal Albert Hall. Um, and we just watched that like a, a week ago. And um, that my daughter has never seen a live show, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, she had watched Hamilton many, many times. And so, you know, we watched that with her and when we're done. She's like, you know, what did you think? She's like, well, you know, I like Hamilton better. Um, it, but it's so different. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the, the, uh, Hamilton just, you know, in, in retrospect, you know, Phantom is people singing over each other and this and that, mm -hmm. and, you know, and um, the costuming and the staging. And it's like Hamilton just feels so much more modern and it was different, you know, to, to watch that and just like, man, this is so classic Broadway, Andrew Lloyd Webber. And you just, lets you see just how, you know, off the charts Lin-Manuel Miranda was with, with Hamilton. Yeah. Um, but um, it was, it was great to watch that with her and, you know, what songs did you like and, you know, mm -hmm. what, what, what parts did you like? And so, um, but we're, you know, we, we, like I said, we watch a lot of movies, um, and pretty, pretty happy to watch, you know, whether it's an animated kid show or, uh, you know, a serious drama, um, we're, we're pretty happy to watch about it. And, and when you're reviewing something or writing about it, what are you looking for? Um, effects and things that uh, really show off a system or sometimes yeah for um so i have a notebook in my lap and um what what scenes really stand out to me you know like uh, what what's a really good use of uh you know 4k the detail or hdr you know or 
um, is it an engaging Dolby Atmos soundtrack? Is this something that, you know, it, it, again, you, the audience for, for that is going to be somebody who owns a nice home theater. And is this, the, so the, the, you know, the, the question is, is this something that's worth your time watching? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like always, you know, when, again, when I'm reviewing stuff for Resi, is this something that the integrator should consider selling? being a dealer right. for. So the, the, the movie review is, you know, basically the, the top question answers, is this something that's worth watching? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, like uh, we, I, we watched the Kristen Stewart movie Underwater, um, which I'm not a big fan of her and her one emotion, but, um, or her one expression, I guess. Um, it was good, surprisingly good. Uh, the soundtrack sounded really good, had, you know, the, the HDR effects were really great. The, the story was entertaining. Um, you know, it's like, is this worth spending two hours of your time watching? And, um, um, you know, not everything is going to be fantastic, but you know, um, so, um, you know, but that's, you know, the day though, is this, is this worth your time? Yeah. Um, or it, you know, if you watch it, what, what were some things to kind of be on the lookout for? Sure. Um, so speaking being on the lookout, uh, you know, you, you are in a market that probably isn't into the latest fads and technology because it's a fairly uh, traditional market perhaps, but you're a writer. So you're always going to trade shows and finding out about trends. Um, we talk about tech trends in terms of the uh, biophilia, healthy home, that type of thing. Are, are you um, looking ahead at any, any tech trends that uh, you think will affect the channel or um, you know, the market in general? <sighs> Man, I, it's like, you know, I, I'm not sure really what I see down the market. I mean, I, I think people are getting more and more aware that they need their network to be really good and they need their Wi-Fi to be really good. And I think that um, it used to be, you know, this real um, struggle to get somebody to invest $400 in a router and, you know, switch and all that. And now that's like, okay, I understand. I, I need a really good router. I need a good network. Um and I think, you know, things um, like, you know, me- mesh networking will mm-hmm. become better. I mean, I'm um, reviewing Luxel's, I'm just trying to find the boxes around me in this sea of boxes, um, their new mesh network, um, you know, and I, I, I kind of the first professional mesh network system um, designed for the integrator channel. Um, I, I think that's going to really continue becoming more and more important. I, I see, I don't know, the, the thing I see that the challenges for our market is that the DIY stuff continues getting so much better and so much easier and so much less expensive um, that, you know, I, there was some the other day where like Google invested some insane amount of money with ADI um, and to, to, to get into this space. And I, I mean, I, I think, if if one of those giant companies of Amazon, Google, Apple, if they decided that this space were important to them, mm-hmm. really important to them, and they really wanted to go out, it's like to to compete with things that that might be super reliable at a tenth of the price. I mean, you're you're still going to have um, the one percenter up here who who you know wants everything, um, right. and, and you're going to have the guy down here who doesn't want anything, and in here is the middle where a lot of us live. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it keeps getting pushed where, you know, the middle guy is going toward the, some of this entry level stuff that he, that, that wasn't available that he could do. Um, mm-hmm. And it works pretty reliably. And maybe he has three different apps that he has to use, but uh, you know, people are used to having apps. So I, I don't know. I think um, as these companies get into to this space, that's going to be a challenge for us. And, you know, how do we keep differentiating ourselves and, um, you know, a, a category that seems to always be like, that's one of those is security surveillance. Um, you know, somebody, I, I went to somebody's house the other day, they wanted to upgrade their surveillance and I can see they've got like, I don't know, $99 cameras put around and stuff. And like, you know, we want to make it better. And like, I, you know, my, my quote to make it better, you know, using nice gear from, uh, from Luma, Snap AV, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, 2,500, $3,000. I mean, it, you know, it's like, and, you know, it, it, when you know that you can go into to Costco or Walmart and buy a kit in a box for like 199, I mean, mm. yes, I know our, that our stuff is, is, is better and it's more reliable and all that, but I think we've got to get those price disparities. You know, it's like, 
this can't be the solution, you know? Um, and I, I think, you know, as the, the DIY step continues to get better and continues to get more reliable, it's going to be tough to keep justifying why is my stuff 10 times more expensive. Um, and, um, I don't know. I guess, I guess that's always the challenge. And, you know, yeah, I know that there's the folks in Manhattan. I, I went to, uh, to an event with, um, Oh gosh, I want to say bang Meridian, um, where they took us to the UK and I, I got to go as a press person and they took some of their like, you know, really high end, you know, some of their most successful dealers. And, you know, I'm talking to these guys and you know, the one guy was from Manhattan and he's like, look, my service call is a $400. And, you know, I like, that's a world I can't even imagine. Right. Um, you know, I, um, you know, and he's like, look, we, we have a delivery service, take the tools to the job site and you know, whatever we need, a delivery service takes it over. And my guys all ride the subway. We you know it's like, I don't know. It's just, I mean, again, a completely different world. And I've been right. doing this for 20 years plus, And I, I, I can't even fathom that. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, every market is different. And, you know, again, if, when you've got a guy, customers that are, you know, don't think about that at all, it's like, you know, Hey, this is what it is. And, you know, take it or leave it. But it's like, you know, for smaller markets, um, yeah. we, I think we're, people are more price conscious here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, that's one of the things that we struggle with, I think, um, is, is finding, you know, solutions that, that are justifiable and mm-hmm. sellable um, against things where, you know, people, their perception is that it's, that it's way more expensive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's always been a, a, an angle that I think that's been important to your coverage, uh, the, that uh, kind of real world kind of experience. And I appreciate uh, you being honest about that and taking the time <laughs> out today uh, to chat with us, John. It's been, Absolutely. been fun getting caught up again. Yeah, for sure. And uh, thanks for uh, to everybody else for joining us. Be sure to comment, share, or subscribe to the podcast. And you can check out all the latest residential tech news at restechtoday.com. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.